Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And here is my friend, Michelle Woods, who's going to tell us what are we going to talk about today, Michelle? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm glad to hear your voice today. I'm liking the little bump in your hair and the little blonde streak. I do not have a bump it. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon. Not an official bump it, but I can tell that you did your hair for me today. <laughs> Listen, I my hair, I used to get it patted down at the airport, and I did not have anything in it. Well, it happened three times in a row. Well, you know, the bigger the hair, the closer to God. Well, that's that's what I heard, and that's what I'm trying to be, close to Jesus. You're a Southern girl. So. I know. <laughs> whatever you so today's today's episode was your idea to tell us what yeah. are we gonna, what are we going to talk about and then tell us who we're going to talk about it with it's about sex <laughs> surprise <laughs> <laughs> our favorite topic yeah so today we're talking about the silver ring thing roses and green grass can you put those three together and guess what we're talking about <laughs> Well, some people might find a couple of those familiar, but yeah, tell us about your idea for today's show and your right. special guest, your special friend. I'm initiating him into the Shannon Etheridge and Friends Club. <laughs> He's in the circle of Because your friend now. is my friend. Yep. yep. Well, he should be. He's pretty amazing. So yeah, today I do have one of my personal friends on with us, Vincent Smith. Say hi to everybody. Hello. Hey, Vincent. <laughs> hi. So Vincent is one of my very close friends. Uh, we grew up in church together, and then we have just stayed friends as adults. And he is actually a pastor at the Circle Church in Louisiana. So I'm looking forward to diving in to this topic of true love waits with him today. Yes. And the impact, the impact that it has had on y'all's generation in particular. So let me kind of lay a little bit of a foundation as to why I came alive when Michelle suggested that we approach this topic with you, Vincent. Come on, Reverend. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, how do I, it's like, ooh, how do I start? So first of all, I want to acknowledge that I am 52 years old and you guys are in your mid thirties. Mm-hmm. And this true love weights movement came down the pike just post high school and college years for me. I graduated high school in 86. And I think that this movement started in like the mid to late nineties is my guess. Don't quote yeah. me on that. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I jumped on the bandwagon as a youth pastor, I was in my mid twenties and this was what, you know, this was the curriculum coming down the pike. And I felt like it was my responsibility to cover this with my own youth group, but I have not had the personal experience of knowing how this kind of movement impacted your personal sexuality, but dot, 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 as a coach with a master's in counseling over the past 15 years, I have seen so many clients y'all's age come in and unload with me about how they feel as if this movement totally jacked them up. Mm-hmm. And then I want to tell you, you know, I, I was invited to write the Every Woman's Battle series, and I wrote that book for women who were struggling 
with actually acting out sexually. What I didn't understand at the time is that it was going to become a cultural movement. And I, I, I mean, many people have told me I wouldn't put every woman's battle in the same category as some of the I kiss dating goodbye type stuff. But the reality is, is there were a lot of people who had zero sexual experience in their past who read <coughs> material like every woman's battle or I kiss dating goodbye and developed a lot of shame and anxiety around their sexuality, around their sexual energies. And that that was a huge concern for me when I kept getting emails from girls going, you know, saying things like, well, I went this far with my boyfriend. Am I going to go to hell? Or I get horny once a month and I touch myself. Am I going to go to hell? And it's like, Mm -hmm. who told you that you're going to go to hell? Like, how did you get that notion in your head? So I have, I have seen that a lot of people have been kind of jacked up about sexuality because of the messages around quote purity that they've gotten from the church or from abstinence educators like myself or authors like myself. And I want to spend some time kind of undoing that today and kind of uh, unpackaging it and sifting through it. But let me just add one more quick story before we dive in. May I? Yes. We'll let you. (laughs) Go for it. So a couple of years ago, there, there was, I did a workshop and a speaking event back to back. And there was a girl who came to the workshop and she fit y'all's mold to a T. She was in her mid thirties. She was really frustrated in her intimacy life. Her husband was really frustrated in their intimacy life. Um, And a lot of it was uh, just sexual baggage from her past that was really self-imposed because of the purity movement. She, she wasn't nearly as impure as she thought she was. Let's just put it that way. But the, the shame was what had weighed her down. And so she asked if she could, come and help out at this event. And I said, absolutely. I would love to have you help. Thank you for offering. And then there's another woman on the, on, or in the middle of the congregation who had been a coaching client of mine and she had, and she was older. She was even older than me. And she had confided that all these messages around purity that came out of the church had really jacked her up. And so I was having this open dialogue with some people in the audience during a time that I was on stage. And this girl Uh, who again was about y'all's age on the very front row said something about the silver ring thing and the true love weights movement and how it jacked her up. I was only repeating back to her what she said and what I had heard so many other clients say and what I knew the girl in the back of the room felt and what I knew the, the lady in the middle of the room felt. And so I wasn't prescribing that this was a horrible thing. I was only describing what many had told to me to affirm their feelings. Well, after that event, I got drug into the principal's office, literally. Mm, This pastor took me into his office with his deacons and wanted to know, what are your philosophies about premarital sex? Like he just automatically assumed that because I have concern about how this movement has jacked people up, in their words, not mine, but their words, he was concerned that I was throwing the baby out with the bathwater and just promoting that I think that everybody should have sex before marriage. And it's like, wait a minute, diet's going from one extreme to the other. I would never say that. So I want to give this disclaimer. We're not trying to bash a movement or a denomination or a pastor or an abstinence educator. We are not promoting sex before marriage. We are simply unpacking the reality of how this movement has impacted certain individuals. And I just appreciate you guys being willing to educate people like me and like other people who maybe just aren't aware 
just aren't aware of what this movement has done to their kids or their grandkids or whatever. So Vincent, with all that being said, tell us your story. Why did you feel as if this is a part of your story that you want to share with people at some point? And thank you for choosing our podcast to unpack it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was um, I was sharing with Michelle that one day I'm going to uh, do a series on relationships about how true love waste messed me up um, because I believe that um, there has not been healthy dialogue in the church about sexuality that was not talking about uh, abstinence. And th I'm glad that we had educators and we're glad that we had people that were teaching and promoting abstinence. But I think what happened was, um, you know, the, the, you know, you're not going to have sex before marriage, the lids on the cookie jar. All right. But now that you're married, it's chips ahoy and nobody taught you what happens now that it is deemed as worship preach up in here somebody and, and now that that could you could you go from it's forbidden keep the lid on the cookie jar to it's a total act of worship was no that, you can't you can't i was gonna say was that like an overnight thing or i doubt it no mm -hmm. it, it, it is it is not and i i believe that that's where we have to go back and and dig because in the process you've got broken people who do not know how to connect intimately um in the bedroom where it's undefiled and uh you know when i'm, I'm walking th through um um you know couples talking about you know premarital counseling and it's spent all over the place but explain to people like listen if you if you have fallen or i would say uh, you made mistakes uh sexually in your uh in your dating days um you know, you may even think you have a framework for what sex looks like uh, when you get into marriage because you may have done it before. You do not because there totally. ain't nothing, there ain't nothing like covenant guilt-free sex. Ain't nothing like it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and, um, and what blows my mind is how many people watch porn thinking they're preparing to have a good sex oh, life. And it's like, oh, <laughs> what you're seeing no, in porn indeed. and what you're going to experience in marriage is not even on the same plane. <laughs> Mm. Well, let me go backwards because I want to start to where I saw it healthy. When I was in college at the BCM, our BCM director, uh, Todd Strain, first guy discipled me, um, opened up on one of our weekly conversations saying, I want to say this, sex is good. Sex is really good. You were built and designed to have it um, with your husband or with your wife. Um, you were built. Um, you were built for that. Man was designed uh, for woman. Woman was designed for man. You have those urges, those cravings for that reason, and they build up and they're good. Sex is good. And that was the first time I had heard it in that narrative. And the way that our response was in that building was all over. <laughs> like, uh, okay, uh, what? <laughs> and he started out the message there and him and his wife just walked us through for like the next 35, 40 minutes, just explaining, um, you know, why covenant uh, sex is God glorifying and how we're made for. And it was just like, it was eye opening for me because now going uh, backwards, because I came from the narrative of, um, 
here's your ring and you, you know, present this and you do this. And so, so hear me, I, I, I've come out of this narrative. I was um, a student in uh, True Love Waits. Uh, I was a youth pastor in Silver Ring Thing. Um, I was a part of uh, leading in a student ministry at one point, a Silver Ring Thing type of D now. And in doing so, even while doing it, it is, I saw, of course, the beneficial understanding of communicating like there is more um like sweetheart there is more that you have to offer uh your husband um in in the coming years than just your body in this robes um and i think one of the things this is my wife my wife and i were talking about this she said this is that one of the things that silver ring thing a true love awaits and and even the national abstinence model was pushing the statistics of pregnancy. And so, so here's the thing. And so you're saying this is so strong, like, well, there's a whole lot of young girls right now who are not pregnant, but they're sexually broken. Like there, there was, there were no consequences of that abstinence. Like we're pushing, well, you see the teen pregnancy rates and the, you know, the, all these rates. And we're talking about that. Like, a lot of these, a lot of these, um, you know, young young ladies didn't have, uh, you know, what I mean, they, they weren't having kids, but now they've got broken sexual history because there was a picture of the rose, and we walked through that, and you can do that better than I can, Shannon. Walking through the rose project, and <laughs> and and then you know it's trampled on, and so now this one young lady, one young man makes a mistake, and he he or she is living with this shame that now the rose is trampled and so it's either one or two things i live in this shame and don't do anything again and never learn about my sexuality or i say well if i'm if i mess up i might as well be all the way messed up and so when people get to the marriage bed um and now that it's covenant it's one or two things happen i brought in so much sexual history um and i don't know what it means to have that in covenant or now that it is not just permitted but it is uh beneficial it is worship it builds you up in your marriage i what do i do when i've been <laughs> when i've thought that it was bad mm -hmm. and i don't know that it's whatever and the problem is is that that young man um he wasn't engaging in any of this stuff uh but he's been addicted to pornography this entire time and so he gets into the marriage and he wants his wife to do the backwards flip it upside down and do this and, a, and all that. And she's sitting here saying, well, we were just holding hands in youth group together. And now all of a sudden you got all these big ideas for what we're going to do. And so it picks all of that out of, we were told not to do it. And we didn't hear anybody say, um, yeah, but once you are able to sweetheart, um, you guys just like, I didn't know what setting a sexual goal was. We, we had a, a, a family in college, uh, uh, an older couple who still loved my wife and, uh, and I very well, who's you know, asked like, how many times you, you guys want to have sex a week? I was like, what? You know, like, <laughs> um, and you know, they're in there when they're talking to me, they're like in their early 50s and they had set a my mid 50s they had set a goal for the year and i was like <laughs> lord jesus like yo, what, what was it 
We need to know. I, I, I don't want to tell. I don't because th- they're gonna listen to them. They're gonna listen no. to them. I'm not gonna say it by name. I don't want to get the number right. <laughs> okay. Number wrong. But it was a, okay. it was a strong showing, and I was like, <laughs> ambitious. You know what I'm saying? And I, I was saying good for like, them. That was the that was the first time I had interacted with that, and I was like, oh, people who love Jesus have sex. Mm-hmm. So you don't so know, like, you, yeah. So you hadn't seen a sex positive mentality presented in a church no. setting or in your personal life. So you perceive no. this silver ring thing to be the lid on the cookie jar. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think that was, uh, let me say it this way. Also in this way too, we presented in this, in the dating model that, you know, for sure that the, the fellows pursued the girls and the fellows that pursued the girls, they were in the, they wanted Bible Barbie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they also wanted Bible Barbie to be a freak. Can I just talk honest? Um, <laughs> but, the, but the problem is, is that your Bible Barbie knows nothing about your habits that you've carried that's happened with you personally. Now you're now bringing to the bedroom that affect our marriage because you have a uh, distorted view of what the body is supposed to look like. You have a distorted view of what you see as beauty and you see me as an object. And I, uh, I heard a, a couple say this before that oftentimes in the habits in Christian marriage that the, uh, the wife is almost seen to be uh, as the object of sexual pleasure for the man. Like, can mm-hmm. I, like can, the wife was saying like, can I not enjoy um, this sexual experience as well? You know what I'm can, saying? Can I use my voice and ask for what I want? And yes. Yeah, you know, and like even talking about those things, like I mean, being on this podcast and knowing that you know Pastor Vincent Smith is in a podcast, sexual confidence on tap. People are like, <laughs> what, is, what does that even, what does that even mean? It's the fact that we have not talked about this enough that people are teaching about sex, except the church, in ways that I think can be done um, um, healthy in, in a healthy manner. Um, and so, you know, coming out of that, like I, I see the benefits. I just, I just think that the relationships that are needed mm-hmm. to have these conversations to backtrack, say, okay, but now, sweetheart, now, now my, now my man, listen. Once you get into this marriage, you have to pursue your wife. Okay. Once you are here in this marriage, um, it, it is not just. You, you stay ready, young man. Um, she does not stay ready, okay? You, you have to pursue her. There is a way these things work themselves out. This is not um, a project to, um, to be learned for a one-time game. Like, you, you are constantly learning each other. And so the just, way that you, yeah. I was, I was just saying that bridge between, you know, abstinence and waiting to like you're saying, having a, a healthy um, sexual relationship with your spouse. Yeah. And flipping that switch people, from off to on all of a sudden. I just don't understand how people who love Jesus, you're supposed to love Jesus, you should be enjoying marriage, um, uh, sex the most. And I, right. I, I would, we would see happen a lot in churches. Like, I don't, you know, I, I'm not saying you need to be uh, like, you know, th- it should not have to be a demonstrative expression uh, in public to give us clues and signs that you guys are active in the bedroom like that should not have to be you know 
what gives gives it away. But you know, sometimes it's just like I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. It's like I don't even know if y'all like each other or like. Mm-hmm. I've, I've literally because, told people that because sex Christian is just about couples. Procreation. Are, are you saying because Christian couples are so inhibited in their public expressions of affection toward one another that you just can't imagine them going from sitting eight inches apart on the pew to being lovey-dovey in the bedroom? It just was too big of a leap for your brain to make? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and, just, and just the way that, um, I mean, again, it, it's... Take take the example. I mean, a lot of us may have grown up watching movies with our parents, and you get to those, you know, awkward, you know, sex scenes, and then sometimes their expression of, you know, again, and it's awkward. You're trying to figure out how to parent and learn all these things. I get it, uh, but sometimes their expressions with some of these things come on, kind of give you indication, maybe like of where they land. You always have. There's always at least one or two of those. Uh, um, you know, friends that you have, their parents are like, "Oh, y'all gross." You know what I mean? Like, you know, y'all room. always, you're right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I used to like, like, oh my gosh, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, yes, you go. When I see people <laughs> like, hey, grab, uh, um, grab, grab her. I don't know, listen to, grab her behind. You know, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you're like, um, snuggle up on each other. I I love seeing that because it's affection. It, it is. And for a person like me who struggles with affection, like, oh, like holding hands all the time. Like, that's just that they ain't always my deal. You know what I mean? But like, but I, I love my wife so much. Like, I, it's hard to not want to hug her and, you know, be snowed up on her and all those things. But it's a lot of that becomes like sometimes what you see, you end up becoming. And so you don't see that much affection in your house. Um, oh Lord Jesus. You don't so, see it. You model it. So you're you know saying what I mean? so you're saying that you think that you were kind of I, I hate to use the word brainwashed and robbed, but were you brainwashed <laughs> into thinking that married Christian couples don't have sexual intimacy or or just healthy physical intimacy? And did you allow that message to rob you of your confidence to be bold and to, and to just be comfortable in your own sexual skin and pursue your wife yeah, and have that yeah. emotion that you missed? Yeah, I hate that I had to learn. And so I'll give you, I'll give you another, another example. Like I only had a few people who talked about it in a way that was God-honoring. I remember I was a senior in high school and um, uh, we had a uh what was it some type of youth retreat that we went on and for some reason i was i missed the missed the bus uh to go on the trip and michelle was one of the chaperones on the trip <laughs> i'm going here and so she took me and one of my other good friends and drove drove us like an hour away catch up with the rest of the crew on this retreat and it was almost random you know what i'm saying like her just kind of talking about uh you know marriage and you know explaining things and i'm sure that because wasn't you know, i my, married at that i had just gotten married you were, you right? were. and i'm and, sorry and I, I laughed but my name next to chaperone just 
I mean, does it really go together? Maybe Michelle needs it a chaperone. Does. Not Michelle that's was a, a chaperone. That's all up. It was funny. I mean, and you took us, and I'm sure I was asking probably halfway inappropriate oh, questions so wrong, that I should probably. that I should not have been asking as a because again I didn't know any better. You were the only person <laughs> I knew who was younger. Yeah. who was married and, that and so talk. you were like what three years apart three years, years apart, yeah. something like that yeah and then uh and I remember um asking a, you know like about like how are you guys doing I'm pretty sure I asked you like so you guys have sex how's, like a you know like a weird 18 year old <laughs> yeah. kid would do and <laughs> you you gently rebuked me while <laughs> while explaining that you know that is um that information is for for me and for my husband but you communicated to me that yes you like there are couples who love jesus can have sex and sex can be good and right. at 18 years old that was like wait that's a thing like i just i just right. thought I, I don't i hate to say it this way i just thought like people who love jesus and have you know are boring <laughs> right. And don't have yeah. And don't have healthy sex lives. You know what I mean. And I don't. Right. I didn't know what a healthy sex life was. Obviously, I just thought it was. I I think a lot of us could not um get into our mind because we kept being told how wrong it was, of course, and so we couldn't bring into mind that those same feelings of pleasure um right. that we you know <laughs> um should not have been having outside of covenant. Right. That's so much better when mm -hmm. they're in covenant, and right, and so I just didn't know that you could have like you know nobody's like essentially like is it okay to be horny? You could I, marry I know the, the two. Yeah, like Shannon know, always says yes. You, you can, can be, be holy and horny at the I same. I didn't know time. that was a thing. I thought <laughs> I was like I was wrong, and then so yeah. when and so when our, our cause pastor said like you know those urges that you have are natural. They are normal and they're to benefit you and your wife in covenant. And I was like, oh, so I'm not like bound for hell. A like person, I'm not a pervert. You know yeah. Like mm -hmm. I, I was like, okay, this, this kind of makes sense now. Aww. And, um, and it just drastically changed. And, and had it not been for that type of encounter with my college pastor, I have no idea what my twenties and thirties would have been like. So I counseled a lot of people who the only time they heard this language was at the few Sundays or few times they actually went to youth church and did this and they never saw youth ministry or church ever again until they got into their um, 20s and 30s so they needed a pastor to marry them and so when they're going to counseling they're talking about these things they're like golly that really messed me up and it's because the last time they were receiving that instruction about sex in that way was that was the paradigm that they heard it in and i and this is the scary part we are responsible i i think that people have to understand that our words matter and how we communicate things matter and regardless to whether or not because this youth pastor me is saying they're not listening to anything to me when i'm when they're 14 through 18 years old they care nothing about what i have to say they're going to do what they want to do regardless but as far as it depends on me, I want to do the best that I can to clearly communicate to them. You're not crazy. I know you have urges. God designs you this way. God's going to use those urges that you have to benefit and to, uh, for the 
you know, for the better of the both of you uh, during your marriage. You're not crazy. Uh, there's grace for you. Of course, we want you to walk in holiness, but you are not crazy uh, if you're thinking like this. And Yeah, and like you just said, uh, not giving them a permission slip to do what they want. But nah. like you said, there is grace available. There is forgiveness uh, in case that they don't wait, you right. know? And so feeling the freedom to talk and openly about it and from a you know, have, perspective yeah That's what i'm hearing vincent say more than anything else yes the only exposure to sexuality that he got within the church or, or from the adults that were in his life was from a sex negative point of view of just say no just don't do it keep the lid on the cookie jar keep the silver ring on your finger and it was all about turning your sexual energies down 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 where they're not a danger mm -hmm. to you or somebody else <clears throat> and you get into marriage and put a different kind of ring on your finger and to go from your sexual energies being turned down that significantly low to now full throttle just seems like such a big stretch. And there's been because a lot you can't of people tap can't... in. Yeah. Go ahead. You can't tap into that intimacy because you feel like you're being disobedient. Exactly. You felt dirty. You felt right. embarrassed, ashamed. Shame is, is the main word that I hear over and over and over again. So uh, I, I want to. I want to do two things. Number one, Vincent, I want to invite you back for a second show to talk about this issue from a more aerial view, because I really think that there's a lot to learn both by pastors and youth pastors and parents, uh, you know, really everybody in society who are responsible for, for educating this next generation of young people. I want them to have an aerial view of what we think would be a much better approach. Um, but, before we wrap up for today, something that you and I had talked about off recording, I want you to unpack here. Take us back to that scene that is indelibly etched into your mind, that purity ceremony that you participated in as a young teenager. Okay. I'm going to do two. I'm going to try to paint the one that I walked through and then the one that I helped facilitate as a youth intern when I was in ministry. So I want to say this, this first as a disclaimer. We already said this before. Um, I believe that there are people who are doing the best they could with the resources that they knew and uh, the best you. they knew how to teach people. I really believe I that our, our churches were doing the best that they could. Right. Um, we, we didn't know what we didn't know back then. Right. Right. We had no and idea that 20, 30 years from now, all these couples are going to be totally jacked up and frustrated and have all this yes. tension in their sexual relationship. We had yes. no idea. No clue. And no we are clue. so sorry. We are so yeah. sorry. <laughs> How do and, we fix and, it? And I think, <laughs> yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, so here's the thing. So I'm probably 13 years old. We're at church and large sanctuary and, uh, it's probably 1500, 2000 people in there. And, uh, in a portion of the service, we, sign our cards and we're going to hand our cards over to our parents. And we're saying that we're committing um, to abstinence until uh, our marriage day and that we are going to uh, stay pure in all that we do. Um, and here was, the, here was the ring um, in order for us to keep our, our promise. It was our promise ring to stay pure. And the scene, I mean, 2000 plus people, we're standing in front of our parents um, and so <clears throat> there's that, you know, do you want to be a person of integrity? Because myself and some of our friends, um, 
you know, we may have been pure and we have not had any actions, uh, you know, sexual interactions, but our minds were not pure. We weren't viewing things of that were pure. So in integrity, should I be signing this and saying in front of everybody? And if I do sit down and not sign this, how shamed am I going to feel or how shamed are my parents going to feel if, you know, their little boy says he's not going to be, uh, he's not going to sign this card because. Yeah, who are you going to have to answer to? What kind of right. judgments are going to be hurled well, at you? Well, can't you hear him at, uh, at Chili's after church? Well, you saw Alvin's boy <laughs> didn't stand up mm -hmm. uh, when it was time to put the ring. I bet he's probably got three girls in his room right now, <laughs> you know. Um, but, and, and again, like that, it wasn't the peer pressure just for the kids, I mean, you're, it's a beautiful act trying to bring the parents involved, and I love the picture it brings, but in pressure is now the parents saying what, because the parents are trying to put on the persona too, that I'm leading a, good, leading a good household, and if, you know, if Sally decides that she doesn't want to stand up, how am I going to look in my Sunday school class when everybody else's child stood up? And my child didn't stand up. So it wasn't just a pressure for the kids. Right. It's not for it the was, parents. It was definitely a group think mentality. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it, we, we measured our effectiveness by how many that we had. But mm -hmm. how many of those were, this is for real. But then after that, it's like, cool, we signed the card. But there's no follow-up behind this. Now, it's, now there's not a, okay, and here's my thing. I think if you're going to have the guts to jump in to have that conversation to say abstinence and nothing before marriage, that should not be the last conversation we have about sex. There should be a follow-up conversation that says, okay, but let me tell you why you're built this way. Let me tell you why your body is changing. Let me tell you why you look at these, um, the opposite sex the way that you do. Um, and let's talk about what healthy sex will look like in covenant marriage. And the reason I believe that was hard to do is because we didn't talk about that. Our um, parents that didn't know. Right. We didn't talk about that. <laughs> they relegated that responsibility to us youth pastors because they yes. didn't know what to say. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're, we're going to get into this a whole lot more in the next episode because here's the thing. My heart really goes out to the pastor, the youth pastor and the parents of today because it's like, well, wait a minute. If the abstinencing and the purity pledge and the silver ring thing, if that's not healthy and going to set the stage for my kids to have a vibrant, healthy, faithful sex life in marriage someday, what should I be teaching them? That's, right. That's, mm -hmm. I want right. to unpack that with you more in the next episode. So we're going to press the pause button right there. Vincent, thank you for your honesty and your integrity. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, let's pick this up, this conversation up again. So this has been yet another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap. As we always say, we love you for listening and we thank you for tapping on us. God bless.